Good morning everyone. There's a bit of an additional uh, obstacle course set up at the front of church this morning, so uh, anyone else who's getting up, do be careful. Good morning and welcome to our worship at Hillhead Baptist Church. Um, our worship this morning is led by uh, the Reverend Graham Clark and we are delighted to welcome Graham for the first time in his role as our interim moderator. Very behind me. <laughs> Uh, you uh, will have noticed uh, the link to our annual Christian Aid Christmas Appeal in the November Key. Um, I know some of you have already donated. If you would like to make a donation to Christian Aid and have your Christmas greetings printed in the key, you can make a donation using this link. And I'll try and send a few emails out during November that have the link in the email so it's nice and easy to click on because I know it's a wee bit harder in the key. Our midweek conversation group will continue this week at 7pm on Tuesday on Zoom. This week we're hoping to firm up our plans for Advent, so it's a good week to join us if you want to have a say on our Advent activities. The Coffee Club meet as usual at 10.30 on Wednesday at Esquire House in Annie's Land. Next week we will meet here in the hotel when Graham Meeklejohn will lead our worship for Remembrance Sunday. Just a reminder, as usual, on Remembrance Sunday, our worship will start a little bit earlier at 10 to 11. Um, so um, please try to, to be here sharpish for uh, our worship for Remembrance Sunday. These are all our notices. Thanks, Holly. So it's good to be here and good to worship God with you this morning. I thought because it was November the 5th that I might do something rather exciting. I thought <laughs> I might bring some indoor fireworks. But then I had this dream of the smoke alarms going off in the hotel and everybody having to be evacuated and the church never being allowed back. So I stopped. There was a hymn I was going to sing as well by Ian Manson Fraser, which is like the fireworks in the night, the Holy Spirit came Disciples' fears took flight when touched by fronds of flame, but that also meant they took flight, so I give that up. So it's good to worship God together. Good and merciful God, gather us near as we gather in worship this morning. May we know joy in our praise, strength in our love for one another, and hope as we journey together.
We're going to pray together and at the end we come into the Lord's Prayer and just pray that in your own language or in your own way. Let's pray. Eternal God, our Lord and Saviour, as we worship you this morning, gather us into the fold of your love. Gather us into the place of your truth. Gather us into the vision of your hope. Gather us in that all of us may be one as Jesus and the Father are one. Gather us into the home of your encouragement. Gather us into the peace of your healing. Gather us into the presence of your comfort. Gather us into the grace of your forgiveness. Gather us into the congregation of your people. May those who feel lonely and isolated be gathered in. May those who feel troubled and anxious be gathered in. May those who are depressed and despairing be gathered in. May those who feel weary and tired be gathered in. Gather us in, Lord, gather us into your greatness and glory, your peace and power, your wonder and your way. Gather us in, Lord, as together we pray in our own language and words the prayer of Jesus. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. So I didn't bring any indoor fireworks, but I... I did look around because I was thinking about what is it that enlarges our, our thinking, our minds, and gives us a greater perspective. And so I thought, I've got some very big books in my library. So this is one of the big books which I have, which is The Earth from the Air. And it reminds me what a big world we have and, and what an amazing planet and so it's got lots of pictures from a plane looking down. Now you can do it from a drone um, more easily, but these were taken from a plane and from helicopters. Beautiful pictures of the Earth. I grew longer arms bringing this this morning. <laughs> and then this might be the biggest book in my library. I don't know how... Um, the, the second floor of my house isn't really falling down, but um, there's a lot of books. This is um, The Art of Vermeer, and it reminds me how um, artists capture amazing um, insights into people and their portraits, and um, how beautiful the world of art is, and that encourages me to look at that. And I love The Art of Vermeer, and um, this is one of the, the books of his art, which I've got in my library. It doesn't go on the shelf, by the way. I have to put it in <laughs> sideways. And then I have this book, which is um, about water and about industrialization and how it affects water, which is quite a current theme. Um, we were um, near to Aberdeen, just north of Aberdeen, when Storm Babette came in just um, there, um, and the flooding came along with it. And so water is uh, an interesting theme. And this book looks at the challenges to our planet and to our climate by the things which people are doing. And so it reminds me how we need to take care of the, the beautiful creation which we have. And then one of my favourite books by one of my favourite photographers is this one by Sebastian Salgado, which is about migration. And it reminds me how many people in our world are displaced from their homes in these days. Millions and millions of people are in different countries and different places because of war and because of famine and because of poverty 
and um, lots of people are displaced in our world and migration um, is one of the great topics and he captures that in his photographs and it reminds me to pray for people who are away from their homes, away from comfort, um, living in tents and camps in very poor situations and these pictures are deeply moving and things. So I like my big books because they help me to enlarge my thinking. And Paul says that we're transformed by the renewal of our minds. So I never stop learning. I'm not young anymore, but I like to keep on learning, keep on growing in my thinking and in my life. And these books help me to do that. They also make my arms longer. <laughs> Let's see. you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and I am saved from my enemies. The cords of death encompass me, the torrents of destruction assailed me, the cords of Sheol entangled me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. From his temple, God heard my voice and my cry to him reached his ears. God sent from on high. God took me. God drew me out of many waters. God rescued me from my strong enemy and from those who hated me, for they were too mighty for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. God brought me out into a broad place. God rescued me because God delighted in me.
not all Baptist churches are the same. Susie didn't know that. Susie was a wonderful woman and very much part of our church. She found faith in Jesus and that transformed her and helped her heal her many deep hurts from her past life. Just about everything changed in her life except her fashion sense. She loved her leather trousers and her studied leather jacket and wore them with pride. Susie went on holiday and because she loved church so much, she sought out another Baptist church. She wanted to go on Sunday morning. And so as she was entering the church on the Sunday morning, she was met by two suited and booted gentlemen, shall we say. One of them said to her, Oh no, you don't want to be coming here, love. The evangelistic service for non-Christians is this evening. And returning from her holiday, she told me her story with a lot more grace than I could muster on hearing it. The narrowness of perception of culture and acceptance, the misogynistic love deeply bothered me. Such narrowness still does. So many churches that hurt instead of heal. As a landscape photographer, I love broad open places. One of my favourites is the open peatlands between Stornoway and Barvats on the Isle of Lewis. I was invited to preach there and had a couple of weeks on the island, which was just delightful for me as a photographer. And I loved the open spaces and I've got pictures of rainbows over the, the, the peat bogs and, and, and just a lovely thing. But our church in Central had family connections with the island and so I was invited to go to church and then to lunch. So I was looking forward to the lunch, having been cooking for myself for the week. When I got to the church to go to communion, it was a communion service that morning, I was given a token so that I could get in and participate. Without that token, I would have been barred. It was kind of like a ticket that gets you into an event, but if you don't have the ticket, you don't get in. The contrast between the wide open landscape and then the narrowness of that church, I won't tell you about the preaching either, <laughs> the narrowness of that church, the narrowness of the welcome reception has remained with me. And that's why I love Psalm 18 so much. God reached down from on high. God took me. He drew me out of mighty waters. He brought me into a broad place. God delivered me because God delighted in me. I love that, isn't it? God delighted in me. That expression, a broad place, is really important to me. It forms a contrast between the background of distress in which the psalmist has called upon the Lord for help. And in Hebrew, the word distress signifies a narrow, confining place. It's kind of like you're shoved into a hole. By contrast, the broad place is a large place, a spacious place, like a wide open field. It's a place of freedom. The Jerusalem Bible translates, he freed me and set me at large, while the REB declares, God brought me into untrammeled liberty. The psalmist uses a similar expression in Psalm 31, verse 8. You set my feet in a broad place. Or as the message puts it, and I really love this, you gave me room to breathe. Isn't that nice? Imagine if people come to church, you gave me room to breathe. A related Hebrew word is found in Job 36, 16, where Elihu says that God allured you out of distress into a broad place where there was no constraint. And what was set on your table was full of fatness. In other words, the broad place is a place of abundant blessing. No wonder Jürgen Moltmann, one of my favourite and accomplished German theologians, entitled his autobiography, A Broad Place. Some people say that the Christian life is by definition a broad place. Rick Warren, the founder pastor of the Saddleback Community Church, wrote, 
A lot of people are afraid to trust Jesus with their lives because they think, they think that means he will narrow it. He'll cramp their style and make their life smaller with a lot of rules and restrictions. When Christ comes into your life, the exact opposite happens. Instead of making your life more religious, he makes it more alive. He makes you more fully human and able to experience the life you were meant to live. He expands your horizons and gives you the ability to see things that you've never seen before. You may be, a living, you may be living a good life now, but God wants to offer you a better life. He then quotes Psalm 18, 19. God expands the possibilities of your life because he delights in you. He doesn't just love you, he finds joy in you. In contrast to this expansive view of faith, there are sadly a large number of Christians who argue for the exclusiveness of their understanding of faith. Everyone else is wrong, period. An narrowness to inclusion that decries humanity, and often a harshness of expression that is far away from the heart of God and the way in which Jesus dealt with people. A life that is far away from God who is infinite and large. Here they just don't get Jesus' words. When Jesus says, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many that enter through it, and many that enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life. And only a few people find it. You see, Jesus is not speaking about narrowing down faith or life. What he is saying is, it's hard to follow me. It's hard to do the things I want you to do. That's the narrowness of it. It's a hard thing to do. It's a hard place to go. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer gets this. He's another of my favourite German theologians, by the way. And he's got a little book called The Cost of Discipleship. And it says this, to confess and testify to the truth as it is in Jesus, and at the same time to love the enemies of that truth his enemies and ours, and to love them with the infinite love of Jesus Christ is indeed the narrow way. To believe the promise of Jesus that his followers shall possess the earth and at the same time to face our enemies unarmed and defenceless, preferring to incur injustice rather than do wrong ourselves is indeed the narrow way. To see the weakness and wrong in others and at the same time refrain from judging them is indeed the narrow way. That's kind of like a broad way for me. It's, it's a tough thing to follow Jesus. But it's not about a narrow faith, a narrow church, an exclusive group of people. God's love is wide. I remember when I used to, did you do any of you do that course, Deep and Wide? Um, and you had to stretch out your arms to, to speak about how wide the love of God is. And that, that's, that's what God's love is like. It's wide, it's broad, it's a broad place. During the school holiday week, Christy and I escaped our grandparent duties. And as I said earlier, we went to a bothy in Seget Farm near Turriff not realising that we would end up right in the path of Storm Babette. Some of the animals escaped through the electrified fence and onto the road, so we alerted the farmer, not the right farmer, but he knew the farmer to, to get. Here in the UK, farming depends on fences and walls. If you go to Wales, it's more walls than, than, than fences. In the vast, vast broad space of Australia, However, fences would not work. The space is just too large, and so you, you can't put fences round the thousands of sheep they have there. So what do farmers do? They dig a well. They, they drill down and they get a well, and there's water there, but there's not water elsewhere. It's very dry across the land. And so the sheep come to the water, and they come to the centre, and so instead of having fences, they have a well to refresh and renew their flocks. 
farming that is open at the edges and refreshing renewing at the centre. Key Christian missiologists have seen this as a wonderful picture of what the church should be like. It should be strong at the centre in its faith and focus, but open at the edges without fences or walls which restrict people coming in. A broad place. After many years in leadership of churches, I won't tell you how many, and different organisations, I decided to enrol for a postgraduate course looking at the psychodynamics of leadership and change. This involved not only many hours of group study where we did groups and we went and we had um, live-ins at Stirling University where we all had to do psychodynamic exercises and things together, but it also involved personal counselling. And so I'd never done that in my life. And um, I went um, to my counsellor and spent um, time with them um, each week. Through the years of working alongside people with complex lives, addiction and poverty issues, and I'd been quite involved with some very fragile people, I found it harder and harder to deal with all the pain which was expressed and the pain which people carried with them. And so I didn't recognise it then until later, but I built up inner walls. Walls that drew me away from openness and awareness and stopped me from being a healing presence. Working to bring these walls down meant that suddenly more and more people started talking to me. And I thought, maybe this isn't such a good idea. Um, but it was, of course it was. And I found that my staff started to open up to me about issues that they'd never talked to me about before. And I didn't know how, I mean, I didn't think I was doing anything different because I'd spoken to my staff before, but the difference was in me. The walls, the narrowness was in me because I found it hard to deal with all that pain and I needed to work through that. Now that's not easy for everyone, especially in hard times and difficult times. There are times of loss and grief, times of mental struggle, times when it's really hard to, to, to be open um, to other people. We're on a journey and that journey has its ups and downs. But I love it that the psalm says God delights in you, wherever you are, whatever place you are at, and whatever spot you are on that journey, whether it's an up or a down, wherever you are, God delights in you. He doesn't just love you, God finds joy in you. Isn't that good? The thing is that it's hard for people to accept that. It is really hard for people to accept that. Especially if they've lived in churches where it's all about guilt and, you know, how wicked you are and how bad you are and you know and people struggle mostly to to love themselves without all of that stuff god delights in you if you remember that you've you you've got the heart of this sermon today god delights in you are we a church that hurts or heals? That's a good question, isn't it? Are we a church that hurts or heals? This seems to me to be critical. God brought me out into a broad place. You are physically a church without walls. Well, there's some walls here, but you don't actually own any, you know, have the, the, the walls to meet in. So you're a church without walls, so that's good. God rescued me because he delighted me. Today I continue to find myself in a broad place, a place of life and love, of freedom and security. God brought me into a broad place. Amen.
Willie Miller was one of my students a long time ago. And he came to Central Baptist where I was minister when he was studying. So I know Willie really well. And it's great to see him there this morning. Hi, Willie. Um, now you, you can lead us in prayer. Thank you. Thank you, Graham. It's lovely to be in fellowship and under your ministry again. Um, this morning I've adapted a prayer from the Baptist Union of Scotland's book, Gathering for Worship, and it's an inter intercessory prayer which they describe as being for all humanity. Let's pray together. Creator God, God of all wisdom, God of love, and God of hope, you have given us the rainbow as a symbol of your faithfulness. In its colours, you have shown us the variety of human life and your call to unity. Its span between heaven and earth reminds us that our hopes for the future are founded on your grace, that you have turned your face from judgment to redemption and have called us to be peacemakers. We pray for all people whose humanity is denied by acts of terror and war. We think particularly of those in Gaza and in Israel at this time, where there is ongoing conflict and little sign of an end to the suffering there. We are thankful that some have been allowed to leave Gaza, but pray that much more humanitarian aid would be allowed to enter and that refugees would be allowed to leave. We pray that all hostages would be freed and that ultimately all fighting would cease. Although this seems impossible right now, we ask and pray that you would raise up peacemakers who would operate with the same wisdom and compassion as is your loving nature. And in our own conversations and actions, we pray that you would make us your rainbow people, glorifying in our God-given variety, passionate for peace, trusting in your grace. And especially in light of what we have heard today about the broad place that you have brought us into. In, your, in you, Lord, we place our hope. We place our hope in you, Lord, also for your church here at Hillhead, that we might know your plan and purposes for the days ahead. We pray for those who have responsibility and leadership for Holly, Holly and for our managers, for Graham as our interim moderator, for those who will be leading worship in the coming weeks, and for the Sunday school teachers and children especially as they pray, they prepare for nativity events. We pray for those who are wearied, tired and burdened. We pray and we uphold before you those who mourn, asking that strength, comfort be given to them, but remembering also that we are your hands and feet. We remember our fellow Baptist churches at this time, and ask that they too may be filled with hope in their service to your kingdom and through, and through their local communities. In this respect, we pray for Rebecca Sharp Bastigan, chaplain at Queen Elizabeth University Hospital, Glasgow, and for Sheddocksley Baptist Church in Aberdeen. Finally, Lord, we pray for those who have suffered loss or damage to property and known hardship as a result of another bout of stormy weather causing flooding and disruption. We ask that humanity would shine at its best through all of these hardships and many more that we have not named. We pray that rainbow people would unite in service and that tolerance through appreciation of the breadth of your love would prevail in it all. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.
God of love and grace, visit us through your Holy Spirit as together we gather around your table and we remember in thanksgiving that in your presence we might know afresh your redemption, your reconciliation, your restoration and your relief. You are the light in the deep darkness of our days. You are the warmth in the cold of our comfortlessness. You are the joy in the strange lands of our sorrow. You are the peace in the turmoil of our troubles. God of love and grace, may the storms of our souls be calmed as once the waves of Galilee were by Jesus. May the wounds of our souls be healed by the hands that were wounded in Calvary. May the nets of our souls be filled with the abundance of your mercy and kindness. May the hunger of our souls be satisfied through the blessed bread of your word and truth. God of love and grace, you are the source of life itself. You are our hope and our health. You are our beginning and our end. Bless all of us in this community of your church today as we reflect on the brokenness of your cross and we pray for the brokenness of our world today. I'm reading from um, Philip's translation of um, the New Testament. The teaching I gave you, says Paul, was given me personally by the Lord himself, and it was this. The Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when, when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which has been broken for you. Similarly, when the supper was ended, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new agreement in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. This can only mean that whenever you eat this bread or drink of this cup, you're proclaiming that the Lord has died for you, and you will do that until he comes again. We eat the bread. As a sign of our togetherness, we keep the cup and drink together. Drink this in remembrance of him. Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again.
go out from this place and recognise God the Creator in surprising acts of kindness. May we experience the human God in tiny acts of extraordinary love. And may we demonstrate the courage of God's Spirit in all we do, in all we say, to friends and to strangers, today and every day. Amen.